Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Motormouth Podcast. My name is Joel Tyree. With me, as always, my esteemed co-host, the ghost of Tim Gerard. Hello. Hello. We have killed the MCU, and we're not talking about it this week. I think I, I, I hacked or uh, shanghaied you into doing two topics I wanted to talk about. We're going to talk about some music Tim wrote and worked on for his his master's program, and then I have a <laughs> parades 250 greatest uh, um, <laughs> parade dot coms. Uh, would you rather topics? Because <laughs> I was thinking first it, it of would... all. Talking about my music is always a topic. That I want to talk about. So that's that's not something that that was that was something I inceptioned you into picking. <laughs> Planted the seed because I was thinking like I part of our podcast goals were to like write and create story ideas, and I think what would you rather is a really fun kind of thought experiment things, and also I'm trying to find a way to do improv exercises with you, even though. I, <laughs> I'm not a trained performer, but I, I want to laugh. I want to fucking just yeah. do random shit and laugh. So that's that's what this podcast has always been about. The podcast where a lot of great ideas go absolutely nowhere. See, it's been so long since I've done a regular <laughs> intro. <laughs> I, I flubbed it. So well, when we get there, I, I have a, a, a would you rather that I came up with that is the worst one I've ever heard. Okay. So I want to, I want to tuck that in at the end after we've done all, all right. those. That's favorite word. <laughs> it's <We> horrible. Should... <laughs> <laughs> a few of the songs here I have listed are lunar slash solar, uh, mouse and an elephant toys in the attic, acid house, bass, acoustic guitar, build alien zombies and alien res- religious service. These are all projects uh, you can find on the Tim or the Tim Gerard on YouTube or SoundCloud or kerfuffle. That's one I just made up. <laughs> now someone's going to look for that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not mainstream. I want to listen to my music on kerfuffle. <laughs> See yet another face. Use blink or bink or whatever the hell it is. I don't even know. Bing? Bing, exactly. yeah, that's why, why would I need to know that when Google exists? <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> so um, I was thinking we would start with acid house bass. Okay. Um, I don't know. Actually, before we start, sorry, I just wanted to ask, did you also see, so I posted one last week and this week. Yes. The, um, those were the, the, um, winter soldier final projects. Yeah. The winter soldier one. And then, yeah. Okay. Just in case, like, you know, if you already listened to them and you still want to go with these, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like, Ooh, I didn't know there was a new one. So, well, I haven't listened to, I, I, I like live reacting with you. So I haven't listened to any of these yet. Um, so I figured we just start with one and we'll okay. see how it goes. So we're going to start with Acid House Bass. And I got my big cups on, my big boy headphones to hear <laughs> it how it's supposed to be. Um, we're watching this through YouTube. problem i'm finding with these 
is that they're too fucking short. <laughs> it just makes me want to just listen to because, like, in terms of your like electronic influences and those kind of like that's that's a part of your uh, 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 music taste or style that I haven't heard much of. And every time I hear a little bit of it, I'm like, I need four minutes. I need a four minute song showing me what what how Tim would build on these ideas because like that. I, I see a lot of these exercises are just like do the thing. You're, you're experimenting right. with this kind of synthesizer, this kind of synthesization, and and using that to build things. And it just it just makes me want to hear like a whole discography from you. I mean, it, it might be coming. I mean, I, I and I told my professor this too. Like by the end of it, I was like, you know, I never thought of myself as a synth guy, but it's like I'm, I'm getting there. Where it's like, okay, I see why this is fun. I see why people want to do this because. At first, the idea of it was like, oh, yeah, sit there, you know, turning knobs and tweaking things. And it's just like, like, that's not what I'm used to. You know, I'm used to chords and melody and harmony and and, those, and, and rhythm, you know, and those type of things. And I mean, not that those things can't be a part of this, but that was one of the things I found was like projects would take me so much longer because I was trying to write the way I would write for an orchestra, but for electronic instruments, you know, and it's a lot of times it's not about that. It's about like, well, what is it about this sound that makes it cool and kind of focus on that? And it's usually, you know, one, maybe two, maybe three things happening at once, but that's it, you know, not like, okay, I've got, you know, again, when you're writing for orchestra, you've got, okay, I've got a bunch of woodwind parts, a bunch of brass parts, a bunch of string parts, a bunch of percussion parts, all that kind of happening together. Um, and I think, yeah, like a lot of this stuff I did definitely find like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to come back to that. But it's, you know, it was always just on to the next thing. So it's like, okay, keep going, you know. Um, and one of the things I did was in my Cubase sessions, whenever I started a new project, I always just did a save as and kept all my other projects in the same in the same project and just kind of put them in folders and moved them down. So it's like, okay, here's all my new stuff. So potentially by the end, I actually have this one Cubase folder with all of my projects and all the sounds I used on all those projects. So I could potentially go back and combine them together or just make new sounds. But, but yeah, that was definitely, it was a specific thing. Um, but it was something, I think this, this was probably the first exercise that I had fun with that. I was like, this is cool. You know? Yeah. We're kind of coming up with this, this kind of bass groove, but then, you know, using the, the, the filter and the resonance to kind of add that higher layer on top and, and, you know, learning, Oh, when you see DJs like turning knobs, like this is what they're doing. This is one of the knobs they're turning and this is what it's doing to the sound and being like, Oh, okay. Like, um, and one of the fun facts I will say about this is that that high sort of like, you know, squelching kind of sound. Yeah. Um, the way I automated that was not with a knob because I wanted to be able to like perform a rhythm and turning a knob is an awkward motion. So I automated it to my, um, my mod wheel because like mm. sort of turning the wheel in one direction was a much more, you know, it was, it was more similar to playing percussion where you're hitting something and, and executing a rhythm that way than turning clockwise you know kind of thing so i definitely found like it was easier to perform a rhythm over that using the automation as opposed to if i was turning a dial so that was kind of something i learned like going forward like oh if i'm going to do this again yeah i use the mod wheel because that's a more instinctive type of way of moving something up and down um as opposed to like i said turning it clockwise see i love it when you can adapt the technology to how you in, interact with music and how you like to, to, to noodle around and stuff like to make it. Cause I, 
for you to say, Hey, I want to play this like a drum. That makes so much more sense. Like the, mm-hmm. in terms of like, how do I get the raw material to do what I need it to do or me to interact with it in the way that I'm comfortable, but also getting to, to use this new tool. That's the thing. Like I am so stoked for your, your original stuff. That's not based on exercises because you have all these new tools in your belt and you're also rediscovering like, Hey, I really like world music and I liked fucking world percussion Mm -hmm. and getting back to that as part of the the fuel, right? Like not, not, I I'm, I'm, it's just so cool that you're adding things to the tool belt. Um, so it's, it's definitely more, more fun, you know, I've realized. And that was, that was also something too. Cause like, it, it was, it was, it was interesting. Like when I started posting electronic stuff on, on Instagram, my best friend from back home was like, Oh, I really like your new stuff. And it's like, interesting. Like I've been you know posting orchestral stuff forever. And it was like, it kind of occurred to me, like, you know, like orchestral stuff, it's, it's like, it's big and it can be emotional, but like, like electronic stuff is like, it's cool. Like, I don't think anyone ever listens to, orchestral music is like oh that's cool man like it's a different set of of emotions and i think that's part of why you know like it's important to know with scoring like yeah are you going for emotional or an epic or are you going for cool and like this kind of groove and he was like you know saying yeah like it's you know it's like this electronic dance music type stuff and it's yeah that's a totally different vibe than orchestral music i don't care how modern your orchestral writing is you know or how you know it's 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 modeled after pop music or whatever it's it's never going to be as cool as, as as synthesizer music you know i mean you know the right synthesizer music i mean synthesizer right. music can sound very lame if it's done in a very dated way which was our earlier projects were definitely like that you know to go through the 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 the, the time period the timeline um but yeah so definitely give me gave me this different insight of just like yeah if i ever want to write cool or fun music like i gotta steer towards electronic stuff like not orchestral stuff you know like there's only yeah there's only so cool you can make it and it's not very <laughs> <laughs> when you, you throw around words like pizzicato so i i'm really i'm really wanting to listen to the acoustic guitar build i think this is the one that I, i'm most like I, I, I listened to a little bit of Lunar Solar and I really dug it. Like I'm, I'm wanting to save that one kind of for last, but acoustic guitar build, this project was really fascinated when you introduced the concept to me for the listeners. Could you give a little preference of what, what, what this exercise was. Can you scroll, scroll down to the description? Like actually <laughs> there's so many of these, some of them I forget, like what did I even do here? Okay. So the idea, this was, this was the week when we did uh, sampling. So the idea was to, you know, record an actual sound. So instead of using, you know, synthesis, you know, the idea that you're using oscillators to just create like a pulse, a pitch, and then you add all this stuff to it. Whereas with sampling, you record uh, like a real life sound back in the day, this was called music concrete. Um, you know, you, you take a real life sound and then you turn that into your instrument. Um, I, I'm not big with recording. You know, I don't have good, I mean, I probably technically do have good recording equipment, but I don't know how to use it well enough that I wanted to sort of, okay, let me get a microphone and record this sound. So what I did was I just recorded my guitar, my acoustic guitar, sitting right in front of my iMac using the iMac microphone. <laughs> and 
um, you know, and, and this is a thing that a lot of people do is kind of create their own sampled instruments, right? Like, so if you have, if you play the flute and you're like, I want to create a sample instrument of me playing the flute, you record yourself playing every single note on your flute, and then you can put it into uh, the sampler called contact, which is, I think probably one of the most famous popular samplers. Um, and you can kind of spread those recordings all along the notes of the keyboard and basically tell it, okay, when someone hits a middle C on the keyboard, that's going to make, that's going to play the recording of me playing middle C on my flute. And so you're essentially using the, the keyboard to, to play this, this flute. Um, now one of the things that they, for the really expensive sample libraries, they will sample every single note individually so that you have an authentic recording of each individual note. The cheaper ones, what they will do is they will record, they will skip a few notes and then they will take each recording and sort of bend it in pitch up and down. Mm-hmm. And you can usually get away with one up and down one half step where it sounds pretty much the same. When you go beyond that, it really starts to alter the sound. So um, that's sort of what I wanted to do here was to kind of sample my guitar, but not every single note. So yeah, in the description, I say like, I basically put a, the capo on the second fret and I, I cheated a little too. I did actually go up and down two half steps because I did want to, you know, again, I just wanted to a sample um, one sound from each string because th- one of the things that I like about guitar is that all the strings have slightly different timbres. So when you're playing chords, I mean, unless you're doing all bar chords, there's there's a little bit of voicing that happens in between the chords. You know, as you shift from this chord to this chord on this particular string, you know, especially the 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 B and E a high E string because they're unwound and the other four are wound. There's a definite timbre difference, so you can kind of hear notes moving up and down on those individual strings. You know, the the same way if you wrote you know, a chord progression for a choir. You know, it's four voice types. You know, soprano, alto, tenor, bass. You're hearing the chords that they're making as a unit, but you're also hearing, oh, the sopranos are going from this to this, the altos are going from this to this. So to me, like, especially, I mean, maybe it's just my guitar, like I have a a, a Taylor, and that's one of the things I liked about it was when you play it, you don't just hear this wash of a chord, you actually hear all of the individual strings and how they're interacting, and as you move from chord to chord, you're hearing it's almost like, you know, tiny counterpoint. So that's why I wanted to sample each string individually so that whatever notes I would have played on each string are sampled from that string, even if they're bent up and down. So, so yeah, so I put the capo at the second fret, did, recorded samples of each one of those strings and then bent them up and down, put them in contact. To, so, so I essentially had a sampled instrument of my guitar specifically. So, you know, when I played any of the notes that I would normally play on the low E string, it would be a recording of that string. But then when I got up to a, it was a recording from the A string, so on and so forth. Like wanting like the harmonic. That's that's one of the things I love most about guitar is the harmonics on the string. When you divide it, mm-hmm. and you're not pressing completely down on the string, listeners, like it, it's a ghost note nearly. It's it, mm-hmm. you're you're finding a, a, a higher pitch without pressing and playing like you would a chord. You're getting like these really cool atmospheric sound. Like that's that's a, every time I, I'm playing guitar, I'll throw a bunch of distortion and then play with the harmonics. Cause that, mm-hmm. that's the stuff that like Eddie Van Halen was getting into, or like the tapping that uh, yeah. Angus Young does in, in Thunderstruck is getting playing with those, how you're bending the string and dividing the string gives it different resonances. And that's unique to the wound strings versus the unwound strings. It's something that's different between nylon guitars and steel guitars that electric versus acoustic like that is really kind of one of the things that makes the guitar so versatile and so 
organic sounding because it has that kind of um, voice-like uh, quality, I would say. Yeah. Sorry, what, yeah. you were you were I interrupted a thought. Sorry. No, no, no. I was, you, I was at the end of that original thought, and then I was going to go on to the next thing. Okay. So yeah. So like so once I had that, um, I also did. Um, what what is referred to in in you know string instruments is uh you know snap pits. I don't know if there's another name for it on guitar, but basically, where instead of plucking the string like you normally would, you would pull the string and let it snap into the fingerboard mm-hmm. to actually get this. And that that happens a lot in you know in film scores and in modern music where you'll have this very like percussive like kind of sound as opposed to like boom you know like a normal plucked string. You just hear the note, but you're hearing this percussive slap sound. So I also did that. And then what's what's cool about contact is you can actually put different samples in at different velocity levels. So I actually recorded my guitar, me playing the guitar soft, me playing the guitar medium, me playing the guitar loud, and then doing the snap hits and set it up in contact so that if the velocity level on the keyboard is low, it'll do a recording of the soft dynamic if it's medium, medium, loud, and so forth. So that, um, you know, there was also this dynamic aspect to it. So it's not just taking the same sample and playing it softer or louder. You actually have the timbre of the softer notes when you're playing at a softer volume. So then it came time to actually, you know, kind of fuck things up. <laughs> so then, <laughs> so um, I think, oh, and I also had other samples that I used in this too. I think, yeah, there was one where I was using um, an ah sample that uh, this was actually from back when I was at DU doing my final project. Um, I had recorded my wife um, doing a bunch of, a bunch of different stuff that I was going to use as samples on that piece. So I had her singing ah, so I incorporated that in here. So I think at one point you hear like this little choir sound. So it's her voice sampled. And again, the pitch is bent up or down. I think she just recorded the, the one note a, and I bent it up and down. So you get different pitches. Um, and then also there was another sample that I pulled from another piece I wrote where it was um, a, a viola and a clarinet doing a swell, you know, gradually getting louder and softer, playing the same notes. So you have that kind of mix of timbres. So I made a sample out of that. Um, then I also had this big um, brass hit that I did on this other piece. It was uh, music I did for a video game. And it was basically, you know, what's known now as the Brahms, the thing that kind of came from... Uh, in the inception score, you know, where it's the big loud brass hits. So I kind of made my own. That's a combination of like a, a tuba, a simbasso, which is, a, um, uh, I think it's like a, a cross between a tuba and a trombone. So like where tuba, tuba tends to have like a warmer sound and trombone tends to have more of that brassy sound. So it's got the range of a tuma, but the, the bite of the, the trombone hmm. and, and I think a synth sound. So you'll hear that at some point too. So then, you know, and this, this was definitely, um, there was a sense of, I think with this, and I didn't intend for this, but as I was doing it, it was like, this, this really sounds like me trying to imitate Hans Zimmer. So, you know, I will admit that that's there. It wasn't originally intentional, but it was also kind of like, all right, I'm not going to steer away from it because I do, I do like that idea of the way he'll do a lot of his pieces where the form of kind of starting one layer and just adding layers on top of it. So it's very repetitive, um, but you're, you're building, you know, you're making variation by adding more parts to it. So every repetition, there's something new to pay attention to. So that's what I was doing with this. Um, I think I was also, let me check my notes. <laughs> uh, I think I was also using delay and stuff like that. I think that was also part of what we were supposed to be doing. Will reverb be making an attempt? <laughs> I'm going mean, to put the reverb, reverb will return to, yeah. right here. <laughs> reverb will return. <laughs> <laughs> Reverb has to make an appearance in everything now, now that I know how to do it and that I should be doing. Um, 
And, uh, but I just, it's one of those things I stopped. I didn't talk about it because it's like, okay, I realized that reverb isn't a cool thing I'm doing. It's like, yeah, you just do reverb. That's just, just a given. So I don't mention reverb, but I'm sure there's reverb in it. So um, I'm curious, you spent so much time building the instrument of it. No, 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 no. no. I, I'm saying like so much of the effort is going into like building this instrument of the synthesized guitar. When it comes time to compose, what are you looking for? I know, I know you were talking about like the layering and Hans Zimmer, like, but mm-hmm. what is it where the one, once the, the material is created in terms of like the instrument, where were you, what did you look for inspiration or what, what kind of informed what you wrote? We, I haven't heard it yet, but I'm interested yeah. to hear where that. So, so that's a good question too, because this is a discussion I've had a lot back and forth. And we even did this in one of my classes that, you know, people tend to write differently if you're writing directly into a DAW or DAW versus writing into notation software. And that's one of the things I've realized is like when I'm writing a notation software, like I can write all sorts of counterpoint, you know, cause I'm, I'm writing it out. I can see the lines. I can see what the harmony is, you know, and as you can see here, one of the things I like about Cubase is when you're looking closer, all of the little MIDI information will say what note it's on. And I haven't been reading piano roll long enough that I can just look at the middle of the score and know what chord that is. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I zoomed out enough so it would fit, so you can't see the letter names. But I'm, when I'm writing, I do see the letter names. So at least I go, oh, these are the notes the bass line is playing, whatever. But still not to the degree that I can do when I'm looking at notation and just see like, oh, that's this chord, that's these notes, this is the melody, this is the bass, you know. So it's easier to write harmony and, you know, as I'm working things out on, on my keyboard and kind of writing parts in. So because I was writing this directly into the DAW, I definitely had to simplify things and said like, okay, I'm going to come up with a chord progression, a repeating chord progression, like four chords. And I kind of played around probably, I usually tend to use a string sound, like a string ensemble sound when I'm kind of, if I want to come up with a chord progression, just because it's more homogenous, the the sound lasts. I don't like using piano because you'll hit the chord and it immediately dies out. And it's like, okay, I don't know how this chord actually sounds over time. I know how it sounds when I hit it, but that's it. So I usually tend to use strings. Yeah. To get, to, oh, that's, that's such an interesting way to write, to, to use the resonance as a, like, okay, here's, here's the pieces of the chords and what's falling away and what can we, that, that's great. I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, so then like, and, you know, and that's the thing is once I have like a progression, like, oh, these are the four chords I'm using, then I kind of break it down and start with, okay, here's the bass line, just the bass line repeated. And then, okay, now I'm going to add, you know, and as I voice the chords, it's like, okay, well, this, this, you know, this is my tenor line that goes from here to here to here, so on and so forth. And then you just kind of like layer and double stuff and you know, as you can see towards the end, I start dropping things down the octave. Whereas, you know, if you look the it starts, the bass lines is like sort of the, the lower middle, whereas at the very end, it's way down to the very bottom. So like I'm adding an extra octave to the bass and, you know, just thinking of that, it's what's called a wedge when you kind of start someplace and you just kind of gradually grow it out in both directions, you know, it gets higher and lower and bigger and everything. So that was kind of the idea is that I knew I was going to once I had the chord progression, I was going to repeat it. And it's like, well, what voice do I want these chords in? And then I want this, this thing to enter. And, and that was, that's a big part of it too, with, with doing a lot of the electronic stuff. Like I said before, originally I would always think in terms of like, okay, well, what are my woods doing? What are my brass doing? What's my strings doing? You know, with here, it's like, well, it's just the chord progression. So I was able in a way to stop thinking about the harmony and just think about it from like a, a texture and timbre point of view in, in, the, in terms of the arrangement of it. Like, what are the order of the new sounds that I want to add? You know, that kind of thing. And what are my biggest sounds that I'm saving for the end? 
And, you know, where might I want a contrast, you know, where, okay, here I've built up to a certain point and I want to change it, but then I want to continue the build from there, you know, those types of things, you know, and, and that's one of the things that's great about writing in a DAW is that when you're, when you're writing a notation software and you hit play to hear what it sounds like, the instruments usually sound like garbage and you're like, okay, I can imagine how this is going to sound for real instruments, but it still doesn't sound nice, you know, and I've, I've <laughs> known that for years playing my stuff for people and being like, here, listen to this. And they're like, that sounds weird. It's like, yeah, cause it's not a real orchestra, you know, but with this, like what you hear is what you get, you know, like these are the sounds I'm using. So when I play it back, it's exactly as it is as of this moment until I change something, you know? So it's kind of, there's a little more editing in real time where it's not like, it sounds like this now, but it'll sound like this at some other right. time in the future. It's like, you're not this double, time. double orchestrating in a sense, right. you know, like that's yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's listen to it. <laughs> Stop yammering about it. <laughs> I try. try to... but it's no, you're good. I'm. I I've like been, to yammer. <laughs> I've, no, I've been really looking forward to to doing this. Like this is the whole of your 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 program. I've been interested in the results of it and the stuff that you've been working on. So, how often do you get to talk to your favorite composer? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> oh, how cool is that? Like. It's, <laughs> I get to ask you all the granular, irritating questions that, like, I always want to ask my favorite artists. So, like, yeah. Well, no, I I love that. I I love feeling like, oh, I'm I'm a person who someone wants to ask me about how I do stuff. Like, that's I you know sometimes I wonder if that's the only reason I became any sort of artist is because I want someday to ask me, well, what is your thought process? Like, yes, thank you. My this thought is process why... is I only do this so that someone will ask me what my thought process is. <laughs> this is, this is why we're friends. Cause I feel the same way. Like I just want to talk about creating with people because it's so, it's so cool and not everybody does it. Not everybody has the desire to do it. So when you find people that are passionate about it and good at it, it's like, it's, it's, the best it's, it's like those are the most interesting people and that's who you should surround yourself with like that's yeah all right yes acoustic guitar build oh interesting
damn it, Tim. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is I so thought... fucking sick. Like, <laughs> let me let me let me react real quick. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like when when you play anybody who has played a keyboard with like a guitar sample, right? Like you put it you turn the dial to the digital thing that say guitar. It's so soulless, you know? And I think that's something that sampling is always going to be butting up against is, is the yeah. unnatural. I remember in, uh, I think elementary school or no, it was middle school. Our band teacher showed us a video of a robot playing the saxophone. And it is, it's the most, it's just the wind going through it and the notes being played. And it's just so devoid of any soul or, or any kind of timbre with this, you really were able, like it, it sounds like a guitar and it has the warmth of the guitar, but the way you sampled it and the way you used it, ha- it, it has the quality of strings in an orchestra in certain, like in the beginning, I'm, I'm hearing bow bow on guitar string, like fucking Jimmy fucking page. And it's <laughs> like, just it, and then you, when you, you got that oscillating, like, I think it's a phaser effect that's kind of getting it, that oscillating thing. And then you're just adding layers. It just, I, listeners, you can't see what my reaction was in real time, but I was just smiling and laughing because it just, the way it built and became so epic, like it, it, and that's the thing. I think it's really difficult when you have 50 seconds of something rather instead of two minutes and or two and a half minutes like this, like this really shows what you do. And what I love about what you do is that you're building in these ways and it's, it's, it's Zimmer esque, but it has, it's, you surprise me. That's, that's one of the things that I like so much about what you do is that you're like, give him a little bit of this. Like, 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 they're not probably not expecting that shit, and and that that's the joy of listening to the stuff that you write is that you have those moments where it's like this is a direction that you seem to be leading to, and then you, you'll you'll turn it on its head, and I like that a lot. Well, thank you. Yeah, that so so yeah, the things I forgot to mention that was actually a core part of this was like I used an arpeggiator because the idea was like. I wanted to to simulate, yeah, like that sort of picked acoustic type of mm-hmm. thing. So, and having having the arpeggiator do it, I think turns out a little bit better than if I'm trying to physically play it on the keys and, and execute all those notes. Also, it adds a degree of randomness to it because depending on what you choose for your pattern, like there are, you know, you kind of don't know which notes are going to pop out when. I mean, after a while, it becomes a little more um, predictable. But and then I forgot that I did, yeah, that harmonic sweep sound. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that one was, I forget what synth I did that. I think that was with the, the Oz. Like it was some, some dial that I automated where it was like, oh, it did that harmonic sweep. Um, yeah. The idea that in the B section, I actually used a different chord progression and switched to a triplet pulse. Um, so that was, that was something I forgot that I'd done. And then the, when it returns to the A section, it returns to the original chord progression, but I kept the triplet pulse going. And then I also forgot that I had done with my snap pizzicato, I did a separate instrument that was all reversed snap pizzicato. So that was like one of the early with like the zip, 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 mm-hmm. like that type of sound. That's what that was. And then uh, I think there was another, yeah, like the really percussive sound at the end that you hear that almost sounds like drums. Those are all like snap pizzicatos, which that's one of those things too, where like it gets controversial. Cause it's like, you probably at that speed, you couldn't do those pizzicatos that fast. Cause you need time to like pull the string, snap it, let it go. 
but that's one of the things you can do with sampling is like, yeah, I can't physically play, you know, if I'm like snapping the strings, but the fact that I could just put it in the sampler was able to do it, you know, and I turned it into like a guitar percussion instrument. So yeah, that, as I was listening, I'm like, oh, I forgot to talk about this. Forgot to mention that. That's what this is. That's what this is. So yeah, those are those other sounds you were hearing. See, and that, that calls back, we had had a conversation about you, when you compose, you're composing for musicians better than you at, at certain things where you're, you're thinking, okay, I can't, couldn't play this. It's something that really it blew my mind because I, when I write songs or I'm working on stuff, I'm on, I'm limited to what I can play on the guitar and what I can figure out with a, a MIDI keyboard and just goof off. So like the idea of, of writing for a musician's better for you, but also writing for an instrument that could not exist. Like you're, you're the way you're contorting the sound of the guitar and manipulating in such a way that to play it physically that way is impossible. And that, that that's excellent. And so cool. And seriously, like the, the biggest thing that you can say about a sampled guitar sound is that it sounds as if it's warmth from being played and you fucking nailed that. Like that, that's at no point where it's like, that sounds like cheapy, awful guitar. It like, it doesn't sound like a person would be playing it because of the way that you've cut it and the way that you've, but like uh, the arpeggiating things that, that flamenco ish kind of style, like that picking style mm -hmm. and the way the, the, uh, progression works it has that strong that it, it does both it does like the the warmth and 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 natural sounding way a guitar is played but then you used it in in just finger bendingly difficult <laughs> ways it's just fucking awesome man and it's thank you it's it, now because uh, what i want like i was like oh is it are we gonna get drums because that that's the thing like i i when i'm listening to your stuff like when you bring in percussion, it's always so interesting. And it's like, I know that's where a lot of your heart is, is that kind of rhythmic building thing. And you get that from this, but like I was, the thing I was missing from everything you do when you show it to me, and it doesn't have wild percussion on it. And I'm like, okay, he hasn't had time to add the percussion. Like that, that's a lot of like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If I had to sample drums on top of this, that would have been a whole. Other, I would fail. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough time in a semester to do yeah. that. <laughs> and you know, and that's the thing too is what I've kind of come to realize. I think where sampled instruments are at their best is when you're not trying to pretend that it's the real instrument and yeah, yeah take it to places it can't go, and that your expectation isn't oh you're going to hear, you know, a beautiful classical guitar sound. It's like oh that's a guitar, but it sounds off, but you know, it's, you know, and, and I think it's a tough line to walk because how does the person listening know that you're not trying to fool them into thinking it is really a guitar, you know? And I think sometimes that's context or things like that. Yeah. Playing something that's obviously not possible, but it's like, yeah, well, I'm doing it for samples. So, you know, yeah, you get to break into that realm of what's not possible. And that's, that's, I think where they, yeah, where samples really shine, you know, ah, it's fucking cool. All right. Next Thank one. You. <laughs> The mouse and the elephant. I know this is another shorter one. Mm -hmm. So this was for for a comedy reel. Is that did I yeah, read so, that correctly? Yeah, for one of my classes. Um... <laughs> oh, I love that little. <laughs> oh shit! That's fucking Back to the Future esque. Did you fucking Sylvester? I didn't do that, that on shit? purpose. I, I will. I think it is. I think it does use the octatonic scale. So that could be part of why. And I know that I think uh, I know that uh, Alan Sylvester uses the octatonic scale in Back to the Future. 
Yeah, and now that, that you may have been the like, biggest yeah, compliment I that I could pay I swear you, I making you sound like Sylvester. Yeah. <laughs> I swear I didn't intentionally rip that off, and hopefully the context will be like, oh yeah, this is different. But yeah, so so for one of my classes, we had to create reels and like genre reels. So it's like here's your basic reel. So it's like a minimum of eight tracks. That if someone's like, I want to hire you, but let me see what you got. You can kind of send them like a SoundCloud a SoundCloud playlist that has like you know eight tracks at least in a certain genre, you know, so like we had to do a horror genre, a horror reel. That's all, you know, horror music. And this was for my comedy reel, which it's like, okay, I've never specifically written something for comedy. So it was also really tough. Cause like I didn't have enough tracks. So it's like write more comedy tracks. And it was like, how do you do that? So how do you I, do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, so, so that was one of the ideas I had is like, okay, do something kind of cute and, and funny and whatever, um, so that was kind of where I, and, and, you know, with it being in the vein of film scoring, even though I wasn't scoring to a film, it's like, well, let me do something at least programmatic. So, you know, what will be funny? And I remember there's a, uh, one of the Holst suites. I forget if it's, I think it's the second suite ends with a, um, a duet between Piccolo and Tuba. And yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Like they're just kind of both trailing off in opposite directions. And then it's a big unison hit by everybody. Um, and I just remember how funny that was as, you know, as a student and like kind of that being pointed out, like, oh yeah, like, a, a, you know the the two farthest instruments on the the range you know of, of of the band you know piccolo and tuba and just that idea of like you know the the highest pitch smallest instrument and the lowest pitch biggest instrument and it's like oh yeah let's let's do this and you know that idea of like oh elephants are afraid of mice and that whole funny thing so that was kind of like what i ran with with this so yeah so it's piccolo and tuba i also added some percussion i think like i use triangle with the piccolo and um i think bass drum with the tuba yeah so like a little bit to kind of fill that out so this is my attempt at trying to just write something that could fit on my comedy reel i love the idea of the comedic duo or the comedic duet yeah. in music like what what a brilliant fucking idea like the the because i mean i just thinking about tuba and piccolo i'm thinking laurel and hardy Tall and skinny, mm -hmm. short and round. That's the com that's how comedy works. If you're yeah. gonna put two guys next to each other or two people next to each other, right. if they have that dynamic contrast, they're already at odds and the tension's already there. You put them in a two shot in anything, like it that's oh, it's fascinating. Okay. A mouse and an elephant. So I forgot too. So each, each, each instrument has sort of like five notes associated. So it's like the, the first four notes are the, the feet. And then the last note for the, for the mouse, it's the tail. And then for the elephant, it's the trunk. So that's where you get the bump, 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 boom. So it's like the four <laughs> feet walking and then the trunk doing, you know, so that was sort of another thing I added to kind of give a little more detail and, you know, See, and that's and the that's... thing about it, right? And it's like, if I don't know what to write, it's like, I'll, I'll give myself sort of like stupid guidelines and stupid little things to say like, oh, well, these four notes are the feet, this note's the tail. Okay, do this. And that's how you're going to approach this and, you know, kind of piece that together. And 
you know, that the, the elephant gets scared of the mouse at first, but then they're friends, you know, that whole thing. Well, it's funny. Like I, at the end, I was like, did he sit on the mouse? Was that the end? It's like, Wee! Oh no, that was, that was just the end. Yeah. There's no, but I, I mean, it's, it's cute that you thought that. So sure. Yeah. Like that. Let's make it's that a thing. Cause that's the thing. Like comedy is so difficult. Like, it, and to compose for it is just a whole nother, like if you, you talk to anybody like, okay, be funny, just out of nowhere, just be creative and be funny. Like nobody's good at that unless you're like really well-trained at. So the idea that the way you make music funny is in conversation. Like, and that, that's what it is, is the interaction of these two. And it's very clearly defined, like the two sides of that, just tonally, it's a conversation and an interaction and the tension of that and the contrast of that is where the humor worked. And it, it was instantly funny. Like, it, it wasn't even, like, always trying to be funny. It's like, no, just just the juxtaposition gave you the playground to do that and the way they interacted with each other. Even even the elephant, the 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 way that the, the trunk instrumentation introduced itself because it bent up and it was at an unexpected note. You know, it came it came closer to the range of where the mouse was. And so you, we, we were watching the the kind of MIDI roll, the piano key roll, as we were listening to it, listeners. And it, you could just see that as the the elephant notes approached the the mouse notes, it it, it was just a different thing. It, that that was really fascinating. And that's the thing, like my my initial thought is, how do you be funny? How do you write music to be funny? And you totally fucking nailed that. Like it's just <laughs> such a that that worked so well. I, well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, for this, it was like, I was, I was, I mean, I was trying to think maybe even like little kid stuff. Like that's part of it too, is I feel like it's easier to be funny for little kids than it is to be funnier for adults. And, and one of the things I learned about like, yeah, if you're going to score comedy, one way you can do it is to score it like seriously, like deadpan and let, let the comedy on screen be the comedy. Like don't right. try to be funny, but I had nothing on screen that I was right. It wasn't like I was scoring a comedy. I had to do music that in and of itself was comedy. So that was like, that was what made it tough. Like, you know, here I am thinking is like, Oh, if I'm ever going to score a comedy, I'm going to score it. Like it's a serious drama, you know? And like that type of thing. Like, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but like the, um, uh, the movie burn after reading, like mm-hmm. I love the music for that. Cause there's a part, like it, it starts off with this like mission impossible, like spy music, but the, the whole film's like ridiculous, you know? And it's like, it's like all this shit's going wrong and like whatever, but like, and then the movie ends and it kicks back into this like James Bond style climax. You're like, this is ridiculous, you know? So like scoring it, like it's an actual spy thriller, like, like sneakers or, or mission impossible, you know, that type of James Bond, but it's not, it's like this goofy, quirky comedy kind of thing. So yeah, so that's something I've kind of put in the back of my head that this is how I'll approach comedy if I need to. And, uh, but yeah, again, like when you have to just, yeah, like you said, do comedy, like, oh, okay. You know, tell me something funny. Like, sure. <laughs> well, it also, it reminded me, uh, it had a Fantasia ish. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's just because Piccolo has such an orchestral, like it, you only hear that in certain contexts. Mm-hmm. So like it, it just, it reminded me of Fantasia. And I mean, having the mouse and elephant in my head as a title also like informed like what I was hearing, mm-hmm. but yeah. like, I, I could totally see it. And the way it was, I don't know, like it, 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 as an exercise, it's so fascinating. Like, I don't know that I could be funny playing guitar. You know, I could write lyrics that I think are funny, but I don't know that I know enough about the music theory of it or to like 
you would just hit in the like I would play it in in try and hit it in different ways or like try like yeah do uh, like funny bends or things like that you know like you yeah know. I mean I guess the improvisation in terms of soloing and stuff I I've always thought that like jazz is really easy not easy but like you can be funny in a jazz solo in a, because you can be referential and if you're li- like the way people listen to each other and will follow each other and kind of would transition into something strange and make it new that that's something but like just stay i mean this is why the the guitar comedian is is kind of <laughs> a dud it's a non-starter unless you're fucking brilliant like all right let's do at least one more because we're I really want to hear Lunar Solar. So Lunar slash Solar. This one's through SoundCloud. Yeah, eventually I will have a video for this. This is one of my projects for next year. So, um, yeah, so this was for my, um, I think it was composing the orchestral film score where we had to write a piece for orchestra that was performed and recorded by, well, I should say performed, like, yeah, recorded in a, in a, in a studio by, um, or soundstage by um budapest scoring like in budapest like so it was like through zoom um so we had to sort of like you know write the piece and and you know this i felt much more at home with because this was creating a full orchestral score in parts that they were going to have to use for the recording in addition to having the DOS session and we had to do it in pro tools because that's sort of that industry standard where you kind of have the click track running and everything so they have the sheet music, they're playing it, but the click track from Pro Tools is running and changing tempo wherever you want it to, and they follow that along. And then you also have other other parts, like I had like a harp part. Um, I think I think we had to incorporate some elements that weren't being played by the orchestra. I think I added harp, a little bit of choir at the end, but that was how you sync the live recorded elements with the pre-recorded, you know, sampled elements and stuff like that. Um, and we were given a, a, a scenario where it was like, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if I wrote this scenario somewhere, but it's basically like, oh, there's, you know, this alien race that has put up a base on the moon and they're about to take over the planet. But then, you know, there's this sort of like, you know, astronauts flying up in their fighter jets and there's the, uh, the, the main heroine, you know, she's, you know, one of the few left and she notices that there's like a solar flare that's happening. So she like tilts her shield. So it reflects the solar energy on the base and it causes a chain reaction. The base blows up and all the aliens leave. And then it's been the, most of the piece is her like kind of flying back to earth and sort of getting the heroes welcome and all that sort of thing. So, so that was sort of the overall, the scenario that happens here. So, you know, I had a theme sort of like these are, this is the aliens, this is kind of her theme. And you kind of see her theme go through these transformations. Um, at one point too, they talk about, uh, let's see if you can catch it where there's like a moment where they, there's like an award ceremony and, you know, she's getting sort of like a medal of honor from the, the president and then it's, it's like a military ceremony. So I actually drop out the strings. So it's just winds, brass and percussion. So it's like, oh yeah, it's like a band, you know, for that type of thing, you'd have a band, you wouldn't have an orchestra. So there's a moment where there are no strings and then the strings come back in for sort of the final emotional swell into the the grand finale. So yeah, so we had, yeah, for this, we had full, it was like a full string section, woodwind, brass and percussion. And uh, that was recorded by the, the, the Budapest scoring. Thank you. 
God damn it, Tim. <laughs> Every time I hear something you write, it's just like, why the fuck isn't there a movie for this? <laughs> why doesn't the movie exist? God damn it. <laughs> like, look, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say this and I mean it with love. Everybody is ripping off Holst in a little bit. There's a oh, little yeah. bit at the beginning. And but like, and that's the thing. Like I, you can hear the influence, but it doesn't go into John Williams just blatant plagiarism. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you can't not pay tribute to the man when you're writing the space theme. Like it just Holst did it perfect. Right. And but like it, I, I definitely got like there's some Planet of the Apesy kind of. In, I I heard some influences there. It's just so fucking triumphant and great. And it just it just makes me want to see the movie that you score. Like it just. Well, thank you yet again. <laughs> I, this is the Tim Tim Love Fest show. Like I'm not gonna. Like, you, you're That's good. Why I was like, not like yeah, I'm not gonna be opposed <laughs> to this. Like, I mean, you listeners, you heard it. Like it speaks for itself. Like how how dynamic it was. It's great overture. You got like I don't think I would have need like you gave us a, a a description of what you worked from. But you totally got that that kind of progression from there's a triumphant. I did hear where the, the strings had dropped out, and it, I, I definitely got throne room uh, metal ceremony mm-hmm. from Star Wars vibes from it. Like it, you're just good, man. Like it, like I don't know what how else to say. It. <laughs> like the day you posted this one, I hadn't listened to a lot of your stuff as it was coming out, but I started it. I was like, oh no, save it. I have to what I have to wait and listen to this <laughs> with him. Because I was like, oh, it's so that clarin it was clarinet, right? That came in at the that, very beginning. Yeah, that, that I that just set for some reason the, the clarinet in that context and the way you 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 orchestrate like the the melodic uh, range that it goes through. It's just like it, it was perfect. Like it's just like it puts you right in space. I don't know why the clarinet is the the rocket ship, but like it just I don't know that. And then uh, it's great. Oh, thank you. Somebody hire this man. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't afford him. <laughs> I couldn't afford him to do the theme for this podcast. I had to do that by myself. <laughs> no, that, to be fair, you beat me to it, and you did better than what I would have done. So that's why. That well, now you a, know you, how since you beat me so out I'm of the gig. You won the gig. <laughs> All right, let's do one more. I okay. toys so, in the attic. I we'll go, go ahead. I was going to suggest because I, I one I, of the new ones. I do really want to see what you think of uh, Winter Soldier. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just because, and I won't say a lot about it to take up a lot of time, but just one of the things I want to say, and this is more for me to gush on the the film itself, is that, you know, having to score this, I I had seen, I've seen this so many times over and over and over again. And, and this fight scene is incredible. Like it never, it never got boring to me. Like, the more I watched it, the more I noticed little things about it, like their expressions and how they're doing things and how like how they'll use, like when, when one of them will get punched, they'll use kind of the momentum of the, you know, reeling back from the punch to kind of spin them into some other move and like how, how fluid it is and how like a ballet it is. It was, it was great. I loved it. So Um, so this, this exercise was to rescore the uh, first fight scene between Captain America and the winter soldier in winter soldier the movie right mm-hmm. yeah i mean i picked this i had to do like a three minute clip and this is the one i wanted to do 
And part of the issue was it was in a folder of stuff where, oh, here's a bunch of unscored clips you can do. But it turns out there was scoring. I think it was just so sparse that they didn't realize that. Register it, yeah. So when I did it for the assignment, I just kind of like tried to, you know, overpower it. But for this, I actually pulled all the audio down so that like, you know, for copyright reasons, or I don't want people thinking like, oh, I like when you did this. It's like, no, no, that's not me. That's the original score. So the only time I add the original sound back in is when it's something that's clearly sound design, like an explosion or, you know, like the sound of his arm when it gets like, it gets like shocked by, black, you know, uh, yeah. So, so you will hear those things that are part of the original, but they're clearly not part of the music that I was doing. And a lot of times there was sounds that I really like that I pulled back on the music to stay out of the way. So you could hear those sounds. So those are clearly like the sounds that were in there that I dropped the music out so you could hear them. And I want to point out, I'm not, I'm not bragging. Um, cause I'm definitely nowhere near at the point of where I can brag, but I was uh, stoked to find out, look how many views this has had before this. I think the most amount of views mm-hmm. I've had on one of my videos is like 40, like look right before where the date is where the text is. Why am I not finding this? Where it says, uh, oh left. fuck! Now Almost I know that this is big in terms of YouTube views, but that's that was bigger like, than anything yeah. I've ever had. That's, that's, ever you know, th- yeah, that's the biggest thing. And I, to be fair, I know it was people wanting to watch Winter Soldier, not oh, I want to hear this guy's music. But guess what? I haven't even listened Soldier. to it. It's got a like. Oh, guess thanks, what? Man. I'm gonna refresh it. So we're gonna we're gonna get it up to fifteen hundred. No, don't 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 do like Andy. Uh, um, uh, not Andy Dwyer. Andy. Uh, um, fuck. What's his name? Oh, Andy, Andy Bernard. Uh, Andy Bernard. <laughs> yeah. Don't do Andy Bernard. Like, oh, I keep refreshing it. There's more views. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this fight scene. Yeah. And this is electronic. So it's it's in that same vein of the, the electronic class I was doing. Oh, get out of here, Tim. like Terminator.
Fucking hell. <laughs> it's so good. That that fight scene is so killer. And like oh, the the way that you detuned it to make it sound like the ears were ringing and the theme was playing in the background, that integration with that explosion. Mwah, fucking <laughs> mwah, Tim. Like oh, out, outstanding. <laughs> like and I love the way that like Natasha had a theme that came in and interacted with Winter Soldier. And then when uh, uh, Cap comes, that triumphant theme interacting with it. But I, there, it's like, that that thing that you did mm-hmm. as Winter Soldier shows up. And listeners, you really should watch this. Like, let, let's get this up to 2K. 2K views. Let's go for the moon <laughs> here. Like, that's only 500 more. Yeah. <laughs> if all five of you watch it 100 times. <laughs> <laughs> like, Seriously, like that, that trick, like I instantly recognized that. And I love that he was like tracking and the way just would not stop the, mm-hmm. the, the constant forward momentum of it. Great. And I forget, I, again, you forget about that scene. Like that's midway through. That's the first fight scene versus Winter Soldier, right? That's the first yeah. time. I think that's when, like, right after he blows up the truck that has Nick Fury in it, and then it's like, you know, he's there, and they're going after him, and it's like, yeah, like, and for some reason, I think, yeah, like, uh, Falcon and Black Widow, like, get to him first. I forget where Cap is at that point, but, yeah, I think Black Widow is kind of, yeah, that's why she ends up fighting him first, because he's, like, interacting with her and Cap somewhere else and has to, like, catch up or whatever, but... um... And it's great, like, credit to ScarJo for that performance. Like, Widow doesn't, isn't, like intimidated by humans a lot but she knows who winter soldier is and the Mm -hmm. way that fight goes she she's fucking like delay tactic trying to all her best moves all her bet like that even the 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 subterfuge of like the the fake voice on the the phone Mm -hmm. to distract him and coming out from the side like that's her best move she's like i i'm like so it's really dynamic scene and so cool man like uh I, I love I love the way you interacted with it. Would drop down to just have the the foley of the scrape against the side of it. That, that was great. That was my I loved favorite. That sound. So much. So good. <laughs> like great. That's what I was I like. The- I am getting out of the way of this. We need yeah. to hear this sound. And then the rhythm of like when you start getting shield on uh, uh, the mechanical arm. Those the way the rhythm was informing those hits. The, the, how it accelerated and matched the tempo of the fight. That's great. Fucking great. Thank you. Outstanding. Yeah. The, those, the, a lot of those were sampled sounds too. So like a lot of the rhythms were the sounds that I had pulled from that clip of like, you know, either like winter soldier punching cap in the face or punching the shield. So like, that's where a lot of those sounds came from. Um, and yeah, so, so I don't know if you noticed in the description, but Black's, Black, I mean, um, Winter Soldier's rhythm is a paradiddle. And it, so oh, that's okay. why it goes from right to left. So it's like right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. And because he has two different arms, the left side, it, I used a, like a metallic, I think, yeah, like the two punch sounds. So I have a, a sound of him punching with his human hand, punching Cap in the face. That's the sound on the right. But then I think him hitting the shield with his mechanical sound, that's the punch on the left. So you actually get the tamers of the two different, like the, his normal right hand, his mechanical left hand as part of the paradiddle. And then there's like a synth sound that plays higher than that, that like beeping kind of sound. But it's still I love rhythm. what you've done with that if you've made the POV. It, this goes beyond diegetic, non-diegetic in terms of the integration of music within the scene. Because what you're hearing is like it's it's almost like you you made a score for the heads up display 
for the Terminator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's what would be playing in Terminator's head as he, he's like focused in on his next kill. And that's fucking brilliant because you're from the different sides with, the, oh, that's great. It's fucking great. <laughs> oh. Well, because that, that's my thing with, with like film scoring is like, I feel as though it should belong only to the thing that like the, the film that it's scoring, you know, mm-hmm. it should, it, you know, it shouldn't be like here. I wrote a five minute piece of music. You have a five minute scene. We can just slap it on there and make it work, you know? And I mean, that's something you can do. You can take library music and throw it in. But like, if I'm going to score a film, I want it to be like, this has to belong to this film, you know? So by using the organic sounds from that, that, that clip, that film, you know, that scene, all the sounds, and then using that to make music, you know, you can't just stick that in somewhere else. Like those sounds don't belong there, you know? And, and ideally, you know, you know, maybe there's this psychological subconscious awareness of that where, you know, where if you had just taken like synthesized drums and a regular synthesizer and did that, it might sound okay, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound as organic as these sounds do because they're, they're from that world, you know? So yeah, that was one of the things that I really got into when we did the chapter on samples. And I was just like, yes, like if I'm going to use electronic means, like (laughs) between that and wavetable synthesis, those are my like two favorites to come out of there is that like, yeah, like let's, let's pull the sounds, make a drum set out of it and use that to, to, to score it. And then, yeah. And that's what I did a lot of times too, is I would take a sample like the sound of, you know, his arm moving like that, you know, kind of yeah. transformer sound and then put that in the wavetable synthesizer. And then that's where the synth sounds came from. So even though it's even more distorted, it's still coming from that original sound that's organic to the scene. And that's what, one of the reasons I love wavetable synthesis is you get to explore not just this one sound, but like as you can sweep through because the wavetable is usually like, uh, you know, half a second or a second or whatever. So it's like, oh, within this moment, I can take bits and pieces and move back and forth between them. And that's my, my sound that's, that is now a synthesizer, but it's not just using, oh, use a sine wave. You know, it's like, again, an organic sound taken from that film. That's awesome, man. Like, so oh, so cool. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> All right. My, my less creative. Yeah, your turn. <laughs> I haven't done any any vetting of these. This is from Parade.com. Um, and they're just 250 best would-you-rather questions to learn more about friends than you ever expected. So <laughs> I don't know what how earnest or how saccharine or gross these are going to be. There was definitely a Teen Vogue version that I was – I don't know that we need to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't – you and I have never met before. This is a completely fresh <laughs> – segment all right number one would you rather have the ability to see 10 minutes into the future or 150 years into the future i fucking love that that's good So it's just one is it one instance of 10 minutes into the future or is it can't the ability what does it say the ability have the ability to see 10 minutes into the future or 150 so So i guess you could you could see 10 minutes into the future, like next, like, like Nicholas Cage, right? You have the ability. So any 10 minutes in the future, you should, would be able to see or 150 into the future. I think, okay. I like the idea about being able to see 150 years into the future, because I feel like then you could turn around and be like, see, look, climate change fucked up the planet, but no one would believe you. Right. So, you would go nuts having that information that you've seen what the world is going to turn into 150 years based on what we're doing now and be able to do nothing about it. So 
in, in theory, that would be what I prefer. But I think because it would be useless and it would just drive me insane, I think I would choose the 10 minutes into the future because I feel like I could actually incorporate that into my life more and be able to utilize it more. Um, plus, it's interesting. Like, I feel like that one you could also use more often and it would be useful. Whereas like seeing 150 years into the future and then a day later, seeing 150 years in one day into the future versus like 10 minutes from now. Okay, let me do this. Let me make this change. Okay, 10 minutes from now, let me do this thing, change. Also, seeing 150 years into the future, it's so far, I don't know that you could figure out what you could do actually to change that, like how exactly we got there. So again, I think that would just add to the overall insanity of, of <laughs> you know, it would develop um, in the, yeah, the sense of like being doomed. Whereas I think, yeah, like, the utility of 10 minutes into the future, you know, like, let me, you know, let me, let me go to a a convenience store 10 minutes before they're going to draw the Powerball numbers and buy a Powerball ticket. (laughs) Like I would would totally fucking do that and be like, yeah, like I'm going to, I'm going to be written and then do it multiple times, you know, this every time, like I'm going to win the jackpot every fucking time. (laughs) No one else gets to win Powerball. (laughs) See for this one, I need, I need the asterisks. I need the footnotes. Cause is it, is it 10 minutes in the future that I can affect? Or is it 10 minutes into the future that just will happen regardless and you won't have any impact on it? Because like that, that, I feel like, see, I, I'd take the insanity. I'd go crazy. I would prefer, because my thinking is there is a 10 minutes that you wouldn't be able to see. So you would know 10 minutes before your death. And that would, that's my nightmare. Like I'm already, I'm already worried about that. I'm already worried that 10 minutes in the future, it's going to be lights out, you know? Like, so I feel like that and, and the, the temptation would be so great that I wouldn't be able to like, not look 10. I feel like that would be everything. I'd be constantly like, okay, 10 minutes. Am I okay? Is this okay? I feel like I would, I would have that kind, that insanity. What I, I would totally take 150 years in the future and rip it off. I would be the next William Gibson and I would, there would be no creativity. I would just steal whatever the fuck happened and write it out. And it would just be, and then in 150 years, they'd be like, this kid knew all of it. He's a (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like I, with, with, I'm already too anxious about my decision-making. I feel like the, the ideation and the projection of like how my actions impact other people and what I feel like that would just be doubled and tripled and quadrupled by knowing in 10 minutes, whatever I do, I'm going to piss this. That would be the thing is like, okay, I'm going into an interaction. Maybe I can find a way to interact with this person where they're not pissing it off. And so it, it would be just, I would find the case where nothing I would do would affect it. And it would totally shatter my uh, uh, main character syndrome. It would just be like, it doesn't matter what I do, this is going to happen. <laughs> I also think it would maybe help me compose faster. Because I could go 10 minutes into the future and be like, what is it going to take me 10 minutes to write? And be like, oh, it's just that. That's only two steps more where I'm at now. I could do that in 30 seconds instead of 10 minutes. And then that'll get me that much closer to my inevitable goal. You'd plagiarize yourself. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's and, and that's the thing is, yeah, it's, it's, is it's it not plagiarism like, or is it masturbation at that point? Which well, I feel like plagiarism would be if I looked 150 years into the future, saw music that I wrote and then did it from okay. square one. But the idea, so again, it's just, these are decisions I'm about to make, but it's going to take me too long to make those decisions. So if I look and see what that decision is and just make it now, 
and then move forward from there. Which I imagine would just like increasingly fuck up the space time continuum because it would like you know have to like change the future like every every minute because it's like okay well now if you did this now instead of ten minutes from now okay now it's you know pulling everything else forward and since it's would you rather I feel like we we should make it as as least cataclysmic impact as possible like nothing we can do will fuck up everything right like it would just be enough to like. Yeah. Or do we do the opposite? How could you possibly fuck up everything? Right. <laughs> find a way to fuck up everything. <laughs> well, I think that's the other thing. Like, it would be really hard to see 150 years in the future and not, well, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, what could you do? How long are you seeing into 150? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have the ability yeah. to see just like 100, but would you be able to do anything with it? Could you research because my worry would be like i'd find out when i die and how i die and then i'd spend my whole life trying to avoid it and i wouldn't really live and i would be worried about okay i'll go 10 minutes in the future to find out what i was doing and then i just realized that i did i spent those 10 minutes just looking at possible futures instead of doing anything <laughs> it would be like the doom scroll of the timeline right. just like... <laughs> that's a that's a brilliant and now that would be a brilliant metaphor to, to do a short story about you know yeah where it's like you know, the idea of like, oh, it's taking too much time looking at all this stuff and not doing anything, you know? Well, that's the whole, that that's yeah. what next is, right? Like the whole thing was hypothetical. So it was a waste of time. <laughs> I've yeah. never seen that movie, but I know that, that that's what happens, you know? <laughs> I like, so, okay. I'm glad that these are generative and not just yeah. a dud. That, I like that one. Like, I think that's an interesting, because yeah. it, it's, it has a uselessness but also a practicality to it. Hmm. And I think that, yeah. Okay. Number two, would you rather have telekinesis? See, this is a classic one. I think Mm -hmm. telekinesis, the ability to move things with your mind or telepathy, the ability to read minds. Um, Telekinesis. Definitely. Like I don't, I wouldn't want to, you know, the, the ethical implications of reading someone's mind. Like I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to, you know, feel the guilt of that. I also don't want to feel like, you know, that sense of like, oh, this person might be a bad person. Should I use my power if it's in for good? Because this person's, but you know, like, I don't, I don't want to get into that, that headspace. What women, women want. scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like telekinesis, like I'm lazy. I would gain so much weight, you know, bring everything to me, you know, (laughs) plus just, you know, in general, I feel like that that's always been one of the things too, is like, you know, when you see, Charles Xavier being this like powerful mutant because he's a powerful telekinetic. But like, I think part of, for me, like what's always been so cool about Jean Grey is she's telekinetic and uh, telepathic. So it's like, but, but yeah, the telekinesis, I feel like puts her kind of like on this extra level, you know, and, and I definitely see her power as being more, more fun and useful. Whereas like with, yeah, with Charles Xavier, he's just constantly in this war of, Oh, should I do this or not do this? Or I can do this. And then, you know, Wolverine being like, Oh, can you fix my mind? Oh, you fucked up my mind. Fuck you, man. You know? And it's like, you know, like, I feel like it's that type of thing. If you were to try to use that power for good, people will just resent you for it. Whereas if you're just like moving stuff around, you know, with your, with your mind, you know, and, and, you know, I, I'm, you could still use that in, in good, like, oh, like it'd be interesting. Here's, here's another weird kind of way of looking at this is like, I'd be fascinated to see how, like what the weight limit would be, you know, if you're That's already what affecting, I'm wondering, yeah, yeah if you're affecting your strength your mind, yeah. or is it, is it just your will? Because yeah. that's always how I imagine, like, 
the amount of times I put my hand up and pretend to use the force, even to this day, it, mm-hmm. it's all the time. Like, that's what I would want to do is just bring shit to my hand or open mm-hmm. a door or just even a fucking parlor mm-hmm. trick just to be like, Shh, and like not even have people believe that it was me. Just like a, <laughs> they think I have a string or something to do it. But like, would it be proportional to my strength? And if so, like, that would be the reason to go to gym. You know, like, I'm going to fucking move this shit, you know, right. like uh, yeah. that, like if it would have a, a practicality purpose there um, with tele, tele telepathy, I already spend all of my time worried about how people think about me. So mm-hmm. like it, it, I'm already I'm projecting. So if I mm-hmm. actually had the data is like, I don't they don't really care for me or they like it. it again, it, it's like that. It's too much. I'm mm-hmm. already anxious about that. Yeah. And it, it's like. It would be fascinating because I don't think everybody has the same way they think, obviously, with the synapses. And so, like, that would drive you crazy, I feel like. If you could read somebody's mind and see how their synapses connect and to – I think to be able to read someone's thoughts, you would be able – have to understand them. You'd have to be, like, totally empathetic in that exchange to have any way of processing it. You know, like, I so – I think that would that would be the thing that would drive me crazy because my brain would have to snap back into how my it's arranged from there, and like I, I'm like you said with strength. I wonder because that's what I would want to do is like if you're going to use it, how can what can we move? What what can Mm -hmm. we do with it? So it's not just like well, I mean, we would obviously. You, you some private time would be there would be some some exploration of that that's definitely uh, hands free <laughs> go wireless um but like it's also like i like you said about gaining weight and stuff like what would it atrophy what would be and would it like if if i could just float you know like tell like, like push myself off the ground and just like right. float like that would be sick you know like that that would be something worth doing or like could you move the path of bullets out of the way like that? Or like, I mean, no fingerprints too. Right. So like, that's also a thing is like, how could you use it to, to offset? I don't know. Like I just imagine like being in Congress and like moving shit around and like fucking with people or something like, I don't know. Like how, how, how would you have an impact with it and do it? I, I think there's just more, there's less translation with telekinesis. You're not translating other people's thought processes and then becoming consumed because that's the thing i get lost in my head on (laughs) deviations i I can't imagine being in somebody else's you know as much as we try to connect with other people and like that's a lot of the goal of art or storytelling or friendship or those things is to try and understand somebody else's point of view i think to have access to it 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 would have to it would be a really of supreme violation of anybody i don't even know that anybody could have could give you informed consent to do it it would be a non-starter from that that perspective you know yeah i'm trying to think like what would be like seriously the 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 degree of strength you would have with it really impacts what you could do with it in its practicality Mm -hmm. i feel i mean it would be cool regardless even if i could just make paper balls rotate around me like a constellation i'd do yeah. that or mm-hmm. like pick up my cat and just like have him dance or like mm-hmm. I, it, oh it'd be great for fucking movies no no cgi 
Right. Yeah. You the wire be, work. Oh yeah. shit! That's what I it would. I'd be a, a special effects dude. That's a prop yeah. man. That that's what I'd do. Yeah. You oh, go there shit. and be like, hire me because I can do all this. Oh, <laughs> that'd be cool. So much money on post production. <laughs> I it would suck if it was based on strength. Like it would be just like wobbly <laughs> based on however how much cardio you've done. Like. Yeah. Well, no, I like that idea though of like if you did work out and get physically stronger. Yeah. If if you were only limited to be able to lift things that you could physically lift, then, then yeah, like, you know, there's a reason for that. And I think in a way you could improve and, and work with it, you know, and how, yeah, I was thinking too, like how detailed could you be? Like, could you sit there and like sort of look at a keyboard and then type by thinking about what letters you want to type? Oh, shit. That would to, be like, cool. Touch the keyboard, you know, uh, you could change the channel. <laughs> I mean, them. that's all we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think like how I can make the most money with it is also like if you could market it as a skill, like what could, with just that ability, right? what, what could you do? Like in terms of creativity, like it would be so sick to make movies and just move stuff without wires. Like that would just add a whole practicality to certain things. How cool would yeah. that be? Like that? I, I like that. I stand with a stupid answer. Oh, you could be a bagger at a grocery store. <laughs> just move all the stuff in the bag with them. <laughs> which made me realize too, if I did have that power, my OCD would get so much worse because I could. Oh, because you could precisely everything. Oh yeah. Like, well, like my surface touch OCD, oh, like right. I, I'd be able to move about the world not touching things. But then, if I ever had to touch something, I'd be like, no, I haven't touched something in two years. You know, <laughs> I feel like I would definitely that would that would be the most often way I would use it. Like, you know, opening doors so I don't have to touch them. Like, someone's like, here, here's a pen. Sign your name. I would move the pen telepathically. You know, that type of thing. Or, or put your pin in on this number pad. Push the buttons with my telepathy. You know, or telekinesis rather. You know, mover, like moving house. Just. <clears throat> Right into the truck, right yeah. out of the truck. You could even make it float in the truck as you're going so nothing breaks. Oh, yeah. Dude, well, that you would, could... Yeah, I guess that would depend on if you could lift any any weight. Right. You know? yeah. But, like, but yeah, like if you if you were able to lift heavy stuff by yourself tele- telekinetically and, you know, be like, oh, I can get this out of your house and, you know, without, you know, risking an injury. Yeah, put it in the, yeah, I like your idea of, like, suspending everything as the truck is moving, you know, and then it's like, okay, put it all down, put it out, you know, there you go. That'd be great for like food waste and stuff. Like when they have pallets break or stuff like you could just, I don't know, like that. <laughs> how could I make money and also improve the world? How, how could I make it so I don't have to touch anything and I don't have to work anymore? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, and one of the things I thought of too is like, and I don't know. I mean, this is one of the things that I usually think about when it comes to like drum set, like my favorite things about drum set and the the drummers that I tend to like are the ones who are good at coordination specifically, Mm -hmm. not just like, oh, you can play the basic rock beat, but as fast as possible, or you can play 16th notes on the snare drum as fast as possible. It's when they're doing polyrhythms with all four limbs doing different things. So I feel like and that's something I've worked on. So that must apply somewhat to telekinesis where, you know, whatever you're moving, you have to focus on. So if you can move more things at once in conjunction, because you can focus on these different things simultaneously, as opposed to moving one object at a time, you know, because that was what I was imagining with the bagger that like all the stuff's just coming up in like one sort of big arc, just all going into the bag all at once, not one item, one item, one yeah. item. And that's why it would be faster. That it would all just go where it's supposed to go. 
Or just open up your trunk. I'll just send it right out the door and all into the back of your car. <laughs> I mean, that, like from Sword in the Stone, when he, uh, uh, Merlin is packing up everything. He can yeah. Even... <laughs> yeah. I, man, these are good. We, now I want telekinesis. Now I want telekinesis. before, but now I'm thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> well, we'll put it on uh, the Santa Claus list. Yeah. <laughs> right. Three. Would you rather team... This is an issue. Rather team up with Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel? Um. So, which iteration of the characters, like the movie version from the I, comic let's, book? Let's just go with whatever whatever version you want. Let let it's open ended. Okay. I feel like Wonder Wonder Woman would be really hard to connect with, like mm. on, just because because she's a fucking Greek goddess. Like they like she lived in Themyscira. Like she's a good person and she has integrate. Like I feel like. I just imagine Captain Marvel as a pilot. Like I could connect with her on like, right. my dad was in the Marine Corps. I understand that. Like, I feel like we would gel better. And also mm-hmm. she was popular in the nineties. Like I'm thinking Brie Larson's like block. Right. We could talk blockbuster. Like I I know that, <laughs> but she's also been in space and an alien right. essentially for a while too. <laughs> yeah. The invisible jet's awkward. If I have to use the bathroom, like she's going to see everything. <laughs> also the lasso of truth. Like you just, you just, I wouldn't want to lie to Wonder Woman, but it would be like, yeah. you couldn't say anything. <laughs> See, I wasn't sure until until you said that, but now, now it makes me feel the opposite. I feel like Wonder Woman would be more... Grounded? Interesting. Oh, like, okay, yeah, like yeah. knowing things completely different than what I know, you know? Like, that's who I think I would rather have a conversation with about, like, yeah, like, what's it like being a Greek goddess? Like, you've lived so much longer. You're from this sort of, like, mythical-type place that's hidden on the planet. Like, tell me all about that. You know, like, I think that's... I find that more interesting. I mean, you know, as a, as a regular person, if I was going to be like friends long term, I feel like yeah, I would get along with Captain Marvel better better because she's more of a regular person. But if it was like a team up and it's like, "Oh, you got this one mission to do." It's like I'd be like, "All right, I'm going to pick your brain as much as I can because this is fascinating." Um, See, I, but... I that makes me want Marvel more because aliens. I would want to know about space and aliens yeah, and different worlds. Too. That that would be yeah, yeah that would be I, they said team up like what what am i bringing to the unless yeah, i have exactly. that, yeah. so we're bringing it up from the, the last one if we've got telekinesis okay. we've yeah. br- brought something to the table i i'll see but i i think yeah i think i would be more fascinated with i thought wonder woman's a god like there if wonder woman exists she is from a pantheon of gods and gods would exist so that would be just a fascinating so it's like space or mythology. I guess that right. that that's the difference between you and right. I. Yeah, fantasy or sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, if we're both telekinetic beings that have something to bring to a team up, <laughs> that 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 sounds true to us. Is, is yeah. I go for Marvel and you'd go for Wonder Woman. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I, I guess I'm trying to consider now like power sets. Like, okay, like if I'm bringing telekinesis, Wonder Woman's bringing kind of like brute strength and invulnerability and speed whereas captain marvel's bringing like energy projection you know like like projectile type stuff you know it's like i guess yeah if you bring it into the world it's like what would so like wonder woman would be like what like the tank right and then Mm. you'd have captain marvel would be more like you know the archer right yeah ranger you know range range fighter kind of thing yeah that would be like yeah what (laughs) i feel like in a team up captain marvel would just be like flitting around you wouldn't even talk to her she'd just be like off doing her thing and you'd be handling traffic wherever you were 
Right, Whereas yeah. Wonder Woman, I feel like you would be on the same level, maybe in terms yeah. of like on the ground for a while, you know. Whereas, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it's yeah, a good I, pair up. I, I wouldn't yeah. have thought of those two, and it's it's making me think about the team up differently than. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of ways you could come at it. Yeah, from like them them as people who you want to spend time with versus them as like a, a superhero team who you're you would match better with and. Do you think, I guess like what, what I would bring to a team up would be trying to be funny. So who do you think would be, I don't think Wonder Woman laughs. Easy. Right. I, I don't think, think he, she would understand humor. Yeah. Well, no, I think from like, I'm thinking like Justice League, the animated stuff. I think she has a sense of humor, but I think it would be much more <laughs> difficult to make her laugh than it would <laughs> Captain Marvel. I would hope. <laughs> I would be the funny telekinetic kid. That, that would be <laughs> what I brought to that interaction. Because I could make '90s references and Marvel would laugh. I feel like that. Yeah. That's <laughs> Diana like would be either... like the '90s, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. 18, like 17, either... 1690s. Which '90s right. are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Either scenario, I'd be like the annoying person asking them a bunch of questions about like their powers and you know their past. You know, so it's like, I, yeah, I feel like either of them I would be fascinated with for different reasons. I think, yeah, like. Although, yeah, and then that, once you put it that way, this like when you mentioned the whole like fantasy versus sci-fi and like mythology versus space, I guess like, yeah, space, there is more to explore about that. So maybe maybe it would be Captain Marvel as far as like, yeah, tell me about all the stuff you've seen. And whereas like, you know, because yeah, that's the thing is like, I'm not fascinated with mythology as a factual thing. It's, it's as a metaphor thing. So I don't, I guess I wouldn't necessarily care about the actual history of the mascara, you know. I'd be like, oh, if that's a real thing, like that's fine. But now, it, so it's just kind of up there with history, and I don't care about history, you know. <laughs> like, so it's like, well, tell me about, yeah, the weird stuff that we haven't discovered yet. So, yeah. Well, I'm also thinking, like, where would the teammate team up take place? With Wonder Woman, it's pretty a safe bet it'd be on Earth, mm-hmm. unless there's like a dark side. But like, she she's usually not. If she's there, she's with the Justice League. It's a whole thing. Right. But Marvel, I feel like she is more likely to be in space. So mm-hmm. that that's also a consideration. Like, oh, fuck. Like, that would melt my brain to be in space and then have to team up right. with this super being. And like, would I, again, <laughs> if it's me just with telekinesis it, it proportional to my own strength, I'm not bringing a whole lot to that scenario. <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel like Captain Marvel could protect me better. Right. You know, if we were in that sort of situation, like, you know, I feel like, you know, she could, she could get there faster, do more to avoid me getting hard. Yeah, like, are dying around things. Wonder Woman all the time. Right. <laughs> it's been a couple of Green Lanterns. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the more I think about it, the more it's Captain Marvel. Yeah. No, like I, I like the, the, the more you think about it, the more interesting it becomes. That's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah the, yeah. the more layers you can dig into and. All right. Four. Would you rather be forced to sing along or dance to every song you hear? Oh, definitely dance. I don't. Dance. I don't like singing. And I love dancing, so that's that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> every song you hear, though. Well, yeah, but I mean, old either man river. Either, either, yeah. Again, I'd, I'd rather dance the old man river. You know, I'd, I'd make that a bop. You know, but I just wondered, like. Sing it. I feel like I sing along to most songs anyway. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm already doing that. I don't know that it would be that big a change. Forced to, whatever this, oh, yeah. what if it's a bad, like a awful song? Like, oh yeah. no, it can't. What if it's a, a, rap, it's a rap song? Oh, we're yeah. fucked. Nope, yeah. it's dance. It's dance. It's you can dance. cabbage patch your way out of anything. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yeah. 
There it is. Okay. That one yeah. was easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, also the other thing I was thinking is if I had to dance to every song, I'd be getting a lot of exercise and losing weight. If I had to sing to every song, my voice would be getting tired and it's like, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to like talk and put, could potentially injure my voice if I'm singing constantly. But then you would also still have to do it. So it would yeah. be like your voice would be gone and you'd be bleeding through the throat and just like, yeah. we, I like that we're taking it to really dark places. Yeah. Oh, that'd be, that'd be a mess. It's also like for instrumentals, like, you would be singing along to instrumental music too, like yeah. orchestral music. Like that's just irritating. Yeah. That that's, that's a, a firm dance, not sing along. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Th- I don't know if this one's relevant. Would you rather find true love today or win the lottery next year? I mean, we've already found it, but this is yeah, like, it's, it's all about thought experiments. Like, yeah. And I mean, I, I think, yeah, like to me, I think, yeah, true love is more important than, than money. I mean, I'm not, you know, one of those people who like money can't buy happiness. It's like, well, money can pay all your bills. So you're not having an anxiety attack constantly thinking about how you're going to pay your bills. So to me, yes, that would make me happy if I had a ton of money, but I wouldn't want to have money. (laughs) Here's a way of look, weird way of looking at it too, is that I feel like having true love, I can handle the emotional aspect of being angry at capitalism for the fact (laughs) that I don't have enough money to be able to survive comfortably Whereas if you have all this money, like who do you get angry about because you don't have true love? You know, there's no, there's no way to, to direct that emotion, that disappointment where, you know, and it's, it's, I mean, it's essentially, I don't want to say your fault if you don't find true love, but it's, it's nobody's fault, right? It's just, you haven't met the person, but then you kind of drive yourself nuts. Like, well, where do I find this person? And is there a person for me? I feel like it becomes so much more ex- existential, Whereas the, the search for, for money and enough money is, like I said, that's, that's someone else's fault. Like I didn't ask to be born into this world and suddenly I've got to do a job so I can pay taxes and and eat food, you know, like that's, that's a shitty deal that someone handed me, you know? So, so I, I, I have a much easier time handling with the, the disappointment and anger about that situation. Um, So, yeah. I just want to be like, they didn't say I couldn't find love ever. Like It's just not, <laughs> it's today or, well, that's the thing. It's nothing to say that I couldn't find love in that year. That means if they're yeah. close enough to find me in one day, right. <laughs> I've got 365 before I hit that ticket, you know? <laughs> I knew within just the a... first minute of the second day I saw. <laughs> no, like, honestly, like, yeah, like the, love it does transcend all but how it like as saccharine and silly as that is but like yeah yeah, yeah you're right. if you have both, why not have both you know yeah, yeah it's like i i'll take a and that's the thing uh, you've got a year it starts the clock it's like i've got a year to find true love or it's just gonna be money fueled for a while <laughs> it depends on what's what's the jackpot if it's like the billion dollar one that just right. went that that's a different metric <laughs> is it like a 20 dollar scratchy you know like that, that's <laughs> technically winning the lottery yeah 60 dollars <laughs> in a year oh <laughs> big man <laughs> yeah. okay let's maybe a couple more oh interesting i don't like this one would you <laughs> rather be in jail for five years or in a coma for a decade uh I this think a coma for a decade because I don't want to be annually raped. So I'm going to say a coma for a decade. Although that, that is selfish, I guess, because it might be like for Krista's sake, maybe she would prefer that I'm in prison for only five years because she can still communicate me with the communicate with me for those five years. She knows there's an end in sight. 
Whereas with a coma, you don't know when they can wake up. You can't talk to, you know, she may, you know, you know, after a certain amount of time, go find someone else because she doesn't know if or when I'm going to wake up. I mean, maybe if I could tell her, oh, babe, it's only 10 years, but I will come, I will come out of it unspoiled. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, also another thought too, is that, you know, I feel like being in prison would, would fuck up my life much more like trying to get a job, especially like, you know, teaching kids. If I'm trying to teach lessons and I've been to prison, whereas like, oh, I've been in a coma, you probably get major sympathy points and probably more likely to get a job if you've been in a coma for 10 years. I mean, what this speaks to is like the awfulness of the prison industrial complex. Like that, what I can't disconnect from is just like how awful that it is preferable to be unconscious for 10 years. Yeah. And whatever the medical bills for that are after 10 mm-hmm. years, like hoping nobody pulls the plug. Like I, it's... Well, I'm assuming as part of the condition, you, you know, just, yeah. that you are going to wake up in 10 years, not like, you know, it's not a deal with the devil where, oh, yeah, I'll do this. And then he finds a way to trick you. It's like, yeah, you're going to wake up in 10 years. And yes, you have to deal with the reality of that. But like, you know, you're not going to you're not going to die, you know, in that coma. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, the, 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 see, the, now they're less fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, can I be in jail for five years with telekinesis? Because if that's oh, the case, that's, that's that's the way we can. <laughs> Then I can I can be like fucking Rorschach on Watchmen and just fucking you know tear through everyone who comes to give me shit. <laughs> I guess it's like what prison and that I mean the privilege of this question also is like the, yeah like which prison what am I in for? I guess that's another yeah. thing is like still yeah every time you fill out a job application like have you ever been convicted of a crime? That's a big like that's that's gonna impact. Yeah. But like 10 years with like just just outside of the scenario, 10 years of missing everything. Yeah. Like what I mean, with America being the way it is and what it's doing, like in 10 years, how fucked, (laughs) you know? Well, I guess also the way the way I was looking at it is like you're missing five years of everything because you're in prison. But like in addition to like we were saying like yeah like with your record but also the trauma that you're going to sustain by right. being aware of being in prison for 5 years versus you wake up and it's like right. oh no it's been 10 years so it's like there's an adjustment period but i feel like as far as you're concerned you just took a nap you know um so to me and again like i said thinking selfishly that would be the way for me to go, but it would also, yeah, it would be worse for the people around me because I'd be gone for longer. There'd be the uncertainty of it. Like you said, medical bills, that's another thing to consider. I mean, if I'm in a coma, does my student loan debt get forgiven? Like, is that... Oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you go 10 Legally years... Legally dead or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> not, that's not what a coma means, but like... Right. I'm skipping this one. <laughs> would you rather have everyone you know be able to read your thoughts... Or for everyone you know to have access to your internet history? Um, I mean, I guess, first of all, saying they have access to my internet yeah, history, yeah, yeah. does that mean they're actively going to go and pursue everything? You know, like, like my mom wouldn't know how to look right. up my internet history, even if she could. You know? And is it for all time? Or is it at, like, <laughs> that's, that's another, is it something right. clearable? That's because yeah. my brain is not clearable. There's stuff in there yeah. I don't have access to, but it's still yeah. there, you know? Like, and, and going forward, I could, you know, be better about my choices to avoid that, you know, an awkward situation, whereas my thoughts are still going to be my thoughts. You know, yeah, that's that's always going to be a, a factor. 
factor. Yeah, I don't know. Probably, probably the internet history. I mean, it's a shit. It's a shit combo. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel where's like Wonder Woman still, in this scenario? <laughs> I, I feel there are at least a few loopholes with the the internet history. You know, like I said, whereas like with with your thoughts, like if you're just there, they're they're getting your thoughts. You know, right. probably. You know, it's a lot harder to explain away the like. I mean, the you are your thoughts, but you're not your thoughts. Also, like it just yeah. there's things that go through your head that you would never act on, but just like a mm-hmm. fleet because the brain connects those things, but like that's harder to explain than like, I don't know. I, yeah. At this I point, mean, I'm like, why'd you look? Are, are, am I supposed to explain to you my kinks? Is right. this a conversation you want to have? Okay. Like, okay. Right. Are you uncomfortable by it? Why does this make you uncomfortable? It's in, it's, it's like that. That's another thing is like, I'd be like the fuck you a little bit about right. it, but yeah. like, that's different from like, I don't know. There, there's certain things where it's like, I, wouldn't want people to know because it would make them uncomfortable but like it's it's like again inside my head is a strange place like i i wouldn't invite you in because i don't know that it would be good for either of us you know Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, yeah, I, I, I haven't done anything illegal on the internet so it's not like anything like that i'm trying to prevent and you know, it usually takes a lot to embarrass me. So I feel like there could be some awkward stuff, but once you kind of get over that, it's like, Oh, okay. And then, like I said, going forward, I'd stopped looking at that stuff that could provide an awkward situation at, at worst. Whereas like, yeah, with my thoughts, it's like, you know, not just getting into like, Oh, you looked at this online, but Oh, this is what you think about me. You know, like right. I feel like that could potentially get into, into trouble or, you know, thoughts you might have like on an impulse and someone gets that where you're like, I don't really think that that just popped into my head. So yeah, it's, it's, it's much more slippery doing the whole, like my thoughts, you know, I, I would rather be like, yeah, deal with the, the awkwardness of the internet history. That's Somehow funny. the internet history is more curious. <laughs> also, it's like, it's internet history. Like you, 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 I don't think anybody in this day and age is going to expect it to be spotless, you know? It's like, oh, you looked at this? Like, yeah, of course I did. <laughs> you know, like, It was there. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> These are two good ones. Okay. Would you rather give up air conditioning? This will be the last two before your big okay. fuck off scary one. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how long we've been doing this portion. But <laughs> Would you rather give up air conditioning and heating for the rest of your life? And life has a hyperlink. I'm really interested by like what link does it go to, or give up the internet for the rest of your life. Oh, um, I mean, the the internal part of me would like to say internet because mm-hmm. you know when when things started going that way uh, for a while, I was like opposed to it because I was just you know like I saw kind of how it was moving things at least at first away from things in life that have value. Now it's sort of found a way to amplify the things in life that have value amidst all the other shit. So I see the good it, that it could possibly do, but I also like, you know, given my, my career choice, like I need the internet, you know, I need to be able to email contacts and, you know, you know, post stuff online and where people can hopefully see it or send people samples of music. Like I, I would like to not need the internet. Um, like, oh, if, so if this question was posed in a worldwide sort of way, like mm-hmm. worldwide, the internet shuts down or worldwide, you know, HVAC goes right. away, I would pick the internet. I would, I would like to live in a world without the internet, but I can't in, as an individual live in a world without me using the internet when everyone else is using the internet. 
if it was some, if it was social media, I'd give it up. Like, like <laughs> if, if, if I like just the ability and that's the thing, like if I knew I couldn't have it, I'd be using it way differently. You know, like it is the biggest source of information in history. It's literally all of combined human knowledge at my fingertips. And I use it to watch fart videos, you know, right. like that, that's, that would be the most embarrassing thing about the internet history is what we're not using it for, you know, compared to what we are. So my, my thought would be, it's such a tool and it's so, it's so necessary for me to know anything, you know, to interact with it or know what's happening. Just know, I mean, just to check the weather, you know, like I have a thing that tells me the weather inside and outside, like the temperature, but if I couldn't check to see it, like that would be miserable. Like I, I, I could kick a door open. I could, you could always put a blanket on, like presuming I'm like in a house and there's no air con, like I can crack a window. I could get a fan. I could get like, just there are ways around that. But like in terms of how I interact with the world and what I need for like my brain, like I need the content. <laughs> could, could you imagine what it would be like? Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back in the day, like when I was young before the internet, what it was like to only have news at certain times of the day for like an hour at a time. Like, Not, yeah. You know, like that. And, you know, that's kind of a lot, quiet. Of, a lot of things that I think of that, like, you know, yes, you're, you know, you're right in saying like all the good things the internet could provide. But yeah, the ratio of not even like looking at fart videos, like, cause like if you're getting enjoyment out of it, I don't look at that as like a waste of the internet. It's, it's, it's the, the negative, and again, it's not the the internet's fault that there's so much negativity on it. It's the people. It's having connection to so many people who are so shitty, and having that brought into your life. Um, yeah, well, it's funny when you say like the weather. Like I always ask Krista. She's like, "You have a weather app on your phone. You could look it up yourself, but it's in your crap folder." It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to have, I don't want to check the internet. I mean, the weather on my phone. Like, I want you to tell me what it is because you've probably checked the weather already. You could just tell me. You know, but like, you know, and but like, that's the thing is like, we we still would have news, like without the internet, we'd have like news networks, we could still get information, it wouldn't be instantaneous, which is probably a good thing. I just started thinking about all the fucking books I would read if I didn't have the internet, you know? Yeah, Um, that'd be, and that's a, and the, yeah, just like pre access to the internet, like, all I did was read and watch movies like that. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess that would be the thing is like, I I would just be blockbuster getting, could come back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If, if it's AC or blockbuster <laughs> blockbuster wins, I'll take, yeah. I'll sweat or freeze so I could have blockbuster back. Yeah. That's the thing. Oh, dude. Well, if we had, no, 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 I, there would yeah. be blockbuster. So you, you could have the HVAC and have blockbuster. Yeah. You know? See, it's looking more and more appealing. Like, I wouldn't have to deal with fucking online gaming anymore. Like, if I want to play a video game with a friend, they have to come over and sit on my couch with me. That that's yes, okay. <laughs> it's becoming more appealing. Yeah, <laughs> but like, so again, like in yeah, terms like... of like the loss of, I don't know, like facts would be a big thing still. Like, we'd be sending things via fax instead of email. Yeah like memo I don't know it would just be a very interesting world and would it be I guess the scenario is like is everybody making this choice or is it like you said a global thing is it like the technology to do HVAC doesn't exist the internet I feel like there is going to be a day where the internet's gone like Mm -hmm. and we can't get it back I'm interested (laughs) like (laughs) what a what a world 
Yeah. So that's the thing. I, I don't want to be that one guy who's not using the internet, but like, I, yeah, I, I don't like the internet. Like it's, you know, it's, I think it's done more harm than good in general. I mean, maybe then that's just because, you know, again, the, the negative voices are louder or whatever, but it's like, and there are plenty of positive things that have come from it. But like, I mean, another thought I had is look at all of the music written by composers before the internet versus after the internet, you know, like, right. and you know, I, I definitely see how that's affected things. You know, the, the, the rate that we can take that stuff in and then process it and spit something out. And then, you know, I know that that's a symptom of just like our culture. I think the internet has a lot to do with that in general, the whole like quantity over quality, you know, like well, I'm interested, like how it would affect the workforce too. We couldn't think so fast, right. you know, like would work be better compensated because you have to, like, it actually takes time. And it's like that, that meant, cause I always go back to like, I think uh, our friend David was talking about like in the sixties, what constituted a work day was four memos. <laughs> and if you look at that, like the mm-hmm. inbox volume between that time and the compensation for time, it's mm-hmm. way out of whack. It's no, without the internet, the productivity of the entire world would grind back to a pre-internet time. And yeah. it, that would be, and that, I guess that would be another, is, would we, is it the internet existed and it's gone or are we going to an internetless timeline? Because right. that would be also interesting to see what, 2020 post 2020 (laughs) without an internet now i'm thinking about like presidents we would have or not have with the internet and like 9-11 those two factors contributed to a global political just interesting Mm -hmm. there's a lot there (laughs) in in a scenario where it just turns off tomorrow i think i'd keep internet because of just the way we're ingrained into it and i would use it it, 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 knowing that shows it that way, I would try and make, have that in for the like three months that I would remember it and then get distracted and just go back to dog and fart videos. But like <laughs> that, that I think it would have an impact. I think overall to know that what you gave up for it and then try and appreciate it and use it more. I don't know. Use it to enrich more. I would think because you mm. can't. Turn on the AC. All right, one more normal one, and then <laughs> the f- one that you've got locked and loaded. <laughs> and I don't want you to answer mine, by the way. Like, I don't, I don't want don't. you to think about it. I just want to present it. <laughs> I just want to win an award for thinking up the worst would you rather. Oh, that'll be our final word. I'll just end it there. It'll be like, here's Tim with the final word, and that'll mm-hmm. be the... So would you rather swim... See, we're back to fun ones now. Would you rather swim in a pool full of Nutella... Or a pool full of maple syrup? Uh, first of all, I'm not eating either of them because my body is in them. Right. I mean, I don't I don't willingly swallow pool water. It's something no, it's a swim. Bad. It's a swim. Yeah. Would you rather swim in? There's no I guess it would be maple syrup then because it would be easier to move around in. I think I would drown in maple syrup. Do you, do you, did you hear that, the molasses massacre thing? Where So I guess in... in I, I, there's this sh- uh, channel on YouTube called Watcher, something we would miss out if we didn't have the internet. They have this show called Puppet History, and it's like a game show with a puppet that, like, it's really fun. These guys are like ghost hunters. That's how I got hooked. Our friend Chelsea really likes this channel, and they do ghost hunters, but there's also this part of their channel where they do puppet history, and they have a little puppet host that tells about these really weird 
historical things. But I think it's in New England. There was a big molasses factory, and they stored the molasses in this big, like, almost like a, like a water, kind of like a water tower. Yeah. But it was okay. open to the air. And it just it would like drip down the sides and people would like come and like get molasses from the drips on this. It's disgusting. Yeah. But one day it broke and it covered the whole city in molasses and like horses died underneath it, like drowned and got stuck, and people were like dead like they drowned in molasses so that's what i'm picturing with a pool full of maple syrup i just feel like i would sink down and not be able to get my way out i feel like nutella wouldn't act like because nutella kind of has a a, a whipped smoothness to it i feel like i could just get enough out of my it's not like quicksand i could get enough out of my face so i wouldn't die (laughs) i just don't want to die in maple syrup well well, see i was thinking when when you said maple syrup i was thinking like like years ago one of my uncles had gotten like you know real organic maple syrup and it is a lot more that's right it's a little more yeah when it's not made with corn syrup you know so that I feel like would be, you'd be have an easier time swimming in, you know, it's like a little thicker than water, but like not too bad. The stickiness factor though, like, would you ever be clean after maple syrup? <laughs> like Nutella is like, it, it scoop that shit off me. Like, I, I feel like you mm-hmm. could, you could just take like a spatula and go shh, shh. Mm-hmm. And like, whatever you're wearing in a liquid, you are naked in that liquid. So mm-hmm. Like how <laughs> getting everywhere. Yeah. I'm just like under the fingernails, ears mm. and everything below the waist. Just like, I. Can't... <laughs> it's and would you ever smell anything else? But maple syrup. I, yeah, <laughs> I think I'm firmly in the Nutella camp on this one. <laughs> oh yeah. That's fair. That makes sense. <laughs> I like how you're like, I'm not eating it regardless. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody asked you that, Tim. <laughs> well, that's about enough of that. And here's Tim with the final word that's going to be one fucked scenario. <laughs> Would you rather... Ready? Yes. Would you rather walk in on your dad going down on your mom or walk in on your mom going down on your dad? Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Just... <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time, listeners. <laughs> Play the scene.